When I was living in Rutherland, I was dog sitting a Bichon Frise. I think that's what how you pronounce that name of dog. It wasn't this dog on the screen. It looked a wee bit like this dog here, and it belonged to really good friends of ours. And it was during the summer in Belle Anne, and the kids were up at our house in Portrush. They were staying up there, and I was going back and forward a wee bit. So it was just me. It was our own dog, Maddie, a lovely black lab, and it was this wee Bichon Frise dog. And I've got to say, it was a yappy wee thing, to be honest. And we didn't really see eye to eye. It did something it shouldn't have done on the kitchen floor the very first day. I got a bit cross-shouted at it and hid under the kitchen table. And I spent most of the rest of the first day coaxing him to come back out again. But we kind of became friends by the end of the day. And just as it was starting to get dark, I took him outside. I let him outside. I went out as well. And when I was distracted, when I, my back turned, he completely disappeared. I mean, he, he totally disappeared. Within 10 minutes, I was looking all around the garden. I was calling his name. I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be firm. No sign of this dog. So I drafted in a couple of friends. They came down. We headed out. This was out in the countryside. We headed down the road with torches, and we looked on hedges. We checked with the neighbors. No sign of this dog anywhere. And it got past midnight, and they suggested that we wait until the morning. So I decided I would try and go to bed, and I would get up at first light and go out and search again. I did not sleep a wink. I mean it. And all I could think of, these people, these friends arriving home from holiday, and me having to explain that somehow their precious wee dog was no longer with us. And I got up the next morning, and the night before, I'd kept my own dog inside because I didn't want to lose two dogs on one evening. Not even I can manage to do something like that. But I brought Maddie out, and she made a beeline for this big bush, and her, her, her tail was really wagging, and she was really excited. So I went over and had a look inside, and there was a very wet and miserable-looking Bichon Frise staring out at me, whimpering and shivering. I got a big towel, got him dried off. We'll never say a word about this to anyone. I did eventually, about a year afterwards, tell the people what had happened. But when I went back into the house and got my breakfast, I can honestly say I have never felt a sense of relief, like that sense of relief that morning as that dog turned up again. I'd love you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells three stories about things that are lost. And I always want people to keep in mind the circumstances in which Jesus tells these stories. These stories here in Luke's gospel, around this part of the gospel, are stories that he tells while he's taking a journey to the city of Jerusalem. But more specifically, he's on a journey towards the cross, where he was about to give his life as a ransom for many. And always keep that in mind. Always seek to read these stories and understand these stories with that ultimate mission of the Lord Jesus in mind. And I've preached in my time here in Connor on the other parables in this chapter, the parables of the lost coin, and maybe the, the best known of all, the parable of the lost son, but I haven't actually preached on this parable of the lost sheep. 
And a harvest Sunday seems like a good time to put that right. And it's important that we don't ignore this first story because all three stories combined reinforce one central point. But not only that, each of these stories contains particular truths about God that are well worth thinking about. So, I would love you to look with me at this parable of the lost sheep that we read in Luke 15 verses 1 to 7. And in many ways, it is a straightforward story. And we want to look at this in hopefully a straightforward way today. So, here's the first thing we're going to consider. What this story tells us about ourselves. Now, when you look at the Bible, it's not surprising that often in the Scriptures, people are likened to sheep. That happens so often in Scripture. And some of you here today work with sheep, or you live on a farm, or you live beside a farm where there are sheep, and you know a bit about this. Yesterday morning, I headed out for an hour on my bike, and if I ever go out for a cycle on a Saturday morning, I'm usually thinking about the sermon the next day. How do I get it from being something that I've written to something that I can speak to you about and look you in the eye? So, I'm thinking that over. And right on cue, coming along a road, here was a sheep that had got out of a field. And if there's a gap in a hedge or in a fence, if there's a bad place that they can get to, you know that sheep seem to go for it. So, that like this one here, they can get themselves into all kinds of difficulties. What seems like a really good scratching post actually becomes a trap. But I know that when I've mentioned sheep before here in Connor, that there are great defenders of the species. Some people have spoken up for sheep and have said to me, you know, Philip, actually sheep are quite intelligent. But think about it. Think about us. Think about humankind. We are regarded as being highly intelligent. We've made so many advances in technology. We've even put men on the moon, and we're about to put people on the moon again, but we can't live at peace here on earth. There is so much that is broken in our world and in our society and within our families and in our own lives as well. We all too often make the wrong choices. We say or we do the wrong thing. And Scripture puts it well in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, which happens to be a chapter all about Jesus and what Jesus would come to do. And there the Lord Jesus is described as the suffering servant. And within that chapter, it describes us in verse 6. It says of us, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. So that in the story that the Lord Jesus tells here in Luke 15, a sheep has got into trouble. He tells us in verse 4 that it has disappeared and it is lost to the shepherd. It's one of these three stories in which Jesus talks about things that are lost and what His Father's attitude is towards people who are lost. 
But who is lost? What does it mean to be lost? What is it or who is it that we are lost from? Is it to do with losing our way in life, losing direction, losing the plot, as we sometimes talk about? Well, the Lord Jesus here is talking about a lostness that is much, much more serious than simply losing our direction in life. And it all comes back to the problem of sin. It's a problem that much of Scripture talks about. So, I make no apology in bringing our attention to the difficulty and the problem of sin today. Because to put it most simply, sin creates this enormous barrier between God and us. Sin's big problem is that it puts us at war with the God who made us. And that has consequences for us in our life. It has consequences both here and now, but then really seriously, it has consequences for all eternity, forever. And we know that closely tied up with the problem of sin is the reality of death. So that we think about that humbling statement of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he tells us, for the wages of sin is death. And that seems like a, a strange expression. He's not saying the result of sin or the effect of sin is death. He's describing it as the wages of sin. And in that sense, he's telling us that this is something that we deserve. It is something that we have earned. If you want to put it like this, it is a punishment that fits the crime of treason or rebellion against God, because every single one of us, without exception, thinks at times that we know better than God. We try and place ourselves on the throne that He alone is entitled to sit upon. So that since the fall, since that descent of mankind into sin, we have lived with the consequences of sin. We, we see it all about us in the decay of this world, in death. So that when I realize that sin not only keeps me from God here and now, but that in actual fact, my sin separates me from the Lord forever and ever, for all eternity, then I come to understand that sin is really serious stuff, that this is the big problem with sin. And what we need to know today, and I say this in love, but what we need to hear is that if the problem of sin is not dealt with, then we are lost from God. We're lost from Him both here and now, because we're not living life in the way that it was made to be lived in relationship with Him, but we are also, and please hear this, we are lost from Him for all eternity. Because the Bible talks about Jesus Himself, talks about the reality of hell, a place of separation from God, so that the stakes are really high. And that's why if we are lost, it causes real grief to God, 
who desires us to be found and in relationship with Him. That's why if we are found again, it is a cause for celebration in heaven itself. So, that's what this story tells us about ourselves, but what does Jesus' story tell us about God? Because while we describe this as being the parable of the lost sheep, in actual fact, this story, it's not all about us. What is Jesus saying by telling this story? Well, combined with the other two stories that He tells in the chapter, He is emphasizing just how precious those who are lost are to His heavenly Father. So, that this parable is primarily about God. It's about the attitude of God to those who are lost from Him. Just look at what happens in this straightforward story. We, we discover that the shepherd loses one sheep, so what is his response? Well, look at the rest of verse 4. Jesus says, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And then when he finds it, that one single sheep of many, his reaction seems incredible. At least it seems incredible to me. Look at verses 5 and 6. Jesus says that when He finds it, He joyfully puts it on His shoulders and goes home. Then He calls His friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. What's the point of these stories? Well, Jesus tells us the point at the end of each of them. It's so we understand how precious the lost are to the Lord. I know that some of you watch that program, This Farming Life, and in one of the previous series, there were the sisters on Shetland who had to run the family farm after their father died very suddenly. And in one of the episodes, there, there is a mother and a lamb out on the edge of a cliff, and, and, and they get into trouble, and off they go to rescue them. And how do they do it? They get into a rowing boat, and one of the girls has her boyfriend rowing out into the sea, and the swell is huge, and they keep rowing, and they're trying to get into this wee inlet, and it's really dangerous, but they do it in order to get that lamb and to bring it back to safety again. And it illustrates this story, and it illustrates the point that Jesus is making. He explains what the story is all about in verse 7. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Think about it, all that effort for just one sheep. So that in this story, if we think about the cost to the shepherd, there is the risk that he takes in leaving the 99 unattended. There's the journey that he takes to find the sheep. There's the exertion of carrying the sheep on his shoulders all the way back home again. And then as one writer has pointed out, there's the cost of throwing this party for his friends, which presumably would have been much more than the sheep was actually worth. But for those of you who work with sheep, you know that is a shepherd's instinct. Not one will be lost. 
And then we think about the cost to the good shepherd. Because how was our lostness addressed by God? How did He put this problem right? How was the problem of sin dealt with? Well, it's through the one who is telling this story. Because Jesus didn't come just to tell good stories. He came to save people. He describes Himself as the good shepherd who lays down His life for the sheep. So that if we come back to Isaiah chapter 53 again, and that verse that describes us as being like sheep that we have gone astray, and what is the end of that verse? Well, this is what the Lord has done. The Lord has laid on Him, that is Jesus, the iniquity, the sin of us all. And the rest of this passage talks about the Lord Jesus and what He would come to do. It says of Jesus in the previous verse, in Isaiah 53, 5, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. So, as we finish, final question, how should we respond? What do we do about this today? For Jesus is teaching us in this straightforward story big, big things. Understanding what it means to be lost, that we are separated from God both here and now and forever, helps us to then understand the reactions that Jesus talks about in these stories. The extent of God's heartache for the lost, the joy that there is in heaven of one of the lost being found again, shows just how serious being lost is. And people, that's why the Lord Himself, that's why God took such huge steps to rescue us, that it caused Him to send His only Son, His only begotten Son, to the cross to die for us. That verse that we were thinking about with the kids, where Jesus says of Himself in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Today, if you have not trusted in Christ, if you have not been saved through believing in Him, please know that you are lost. You're lost here and now. You're not living life in the way that it was made to be lived. Crucially, you are lost for eternity. And if your life were to end today, you would be separated from God forever. Do you give any thought to this? Do you realize the seriousness of your lostness? Because it causes God real grief. He knows how bad a state you're in. What will you do about this? Because here's what the Lord's done. Jesus has come to find you and to rescue you. Will you come back to the Father through 
trusting in Him. I would gladly talk to you about that or, or find a family member or a friend you know as a Christian and, and have that conversation. And what about those who have already trusted, those who profess that they are saved? Maybe you're thinking, good stuff, Philip. That's the way to do it. Get that message out to all those people. Listen, what the Lord Jesus is saying should really hit you today. It should be a real jolt to the believer in Christ. Do you share the shepherd's concern? Do you share the shepherd's burden for the lost? Because your lack of prayer, your lack of effort, or lack of witnessing suggests otherwise. If someone was saved today, would we throw a party the way they do in heaven? Oh, people to be lost from God. It's as bad as it gets. Honestly, it's as bad as it gets. But that's what makes the gospel such great news. Come to Jesus. He's a good storyteller but He's an even greater Savior. Amen.